This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, what's up, conversationists? This is Ro from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. You're about to embark on another awesome conversation with Pat and Charles. Thanks for helping them celebrate their road to 100. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, Pat and Charles. Cam here. And Bud. And Bub. Always. Thank you. You kind of remind me of another favorite duo of mine. So this is for you guys. Catchy. Conversations, you're the one. You make Star Wars lots of fun. Yeah, you do. Conversations made the force be strong with you. Sing it, Bobby. Yeah, Bob. Pat and Charles, you're so grand. Never afraid to lend a helping hand. That's true. Conversations may the force be strong with. Absolutely be strong with. I see what you did. Oh, oh conversations may the force be strong with you. May the force be with you guys. Love you, dudes. Hello and welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is episode Who Gives a Damn Because Nobody Counts Anyway. <laughs> In a galaxy full of space battles, blaster fights, and dogfights, one type of combat is more elegant than the rest. Anatomy of a duel. It's episode 99. Okay, I was going to say, because it is episode 99. Yes, okay. I think everyone's... It's still, we're still in double digits. Right. Despite we're... four years of trying. <laughs> But we're so close to triple digits. Yeah, like, we'll be there any moment. Right. Oh, boy. Yes. So, Anatomy of a Duel. Yeah. We've done one or two of these before. Mm-hmm. And they're very well received. And uh, also very cool because the one that we've chosen for tonight is very important to what could be coming in Mandalorian Season 3. Yeah, I mean, you know, what better duel than Omega and the Womp Rat? <laughs> with the with the bow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh It's, it's just my bow. <laughs> <laughs> Merida's not in this one. Yes. Oh boy. Yes. No weapons on the table. Uh yeah, so um okay, so not that one. Then which one are we doing? We are doing Obi-Wan versus Vizsla. Which Vizsla? Pre-Vizsla. Oh, pre-Vizsla. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got it. We're talking Clone Wars, Season 2, Episode 12, The Mandalore Plot. And this is really the yeah. first time that we see the Darksaber. Yes. And, you know, obviously, you know, now everybody's in love with the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you can buy one. You know, back in the day, you had to build your own. Right. Right. <laughs> For a run. <laughs> No less. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but now it's like so mainstream that, you know, everybody's making them. <laughs> or buying them. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Everybody's making them and everybody else is buying them. Yeah. Like that Star Wars run, uh, you know, when Emily was running as Sabine. Yes. She, um, she had it. And like, I wanted to like get out of the corral and choke the guy with the microphone. Because he's like, oh, that girl's got a broadsword. I want to get that dark saber, you noob. He called it a. 
broadsword. It looks like a broadsword from the side. I get it. But, like, it's a Star Wars run. We're all dressed up. She's got a Mandalorian helmet. Like, you really think the broadsword? Wow. Just says, the Witcher, Lord of the Rings over here? What are you doing? Talk about brave. I know. I was like, get at it. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so even like the people that MC the, the Star Wars runs and run Disney events didn't know what it was. At the wow. Time. Yeah. The Clone Wars introduced us to this very you know, storied blade. And if you want, if you are interested in finding out the history of the Darksaber, Our go. friend can... Rob at Jedi Temple Archives does he... a thing. <laughs> Episode 40. As I said, he does a thing. He's got a podcast. He joins us. <laughs> takes over our podcast. He commandeers our cast. Yes, he invites himself to our podcast. And uh, he appeared with us on uh, episode 44, where we talked in depth about the history of the Darksaber. Um, it yeah. was uh, certainly a timely episode, but this really isn't an episode of the history of the Darksaber. It's really about the duel itself, even though how cool the Darksaber is. Yeah, well, first thing you got to think about when you're going into this duel you got to jump around a little bit like Star Wars does sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we like to talk about where these different um, duelists are coming from yeah. uh, mentally mm -hmm. and, and physically and, uh, like, historically based on, you know, their teachings and things like that. Uh, so if you jump to the Mandalorian arc in Season 5 towards the end, like uh, Episode 14, Pre Vizsla is talking about how you know we're a death watch descendants of the true warrior faith all mandalorians once knew and our people are warriors strong and feared and really regard pacifism as a betrayal to their culture right yeah totally so mm -hmm. so like that's that's his mindset you know since forming death watch and then being expelled to um the moon Concordia. yeah 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 so he's like you know we talk about the, the seven forms of lightsaber combat, and that's like a force user thing. You know, when you're training with a, right. with a saber, you're, you're trained in, in one or several of these forms. He, he wasn't because he's not a force user. Right. Which yeah. is another interesting part. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you have to think about the aggression that he uses is, is similar to form four. Uh -huh. Ataru. Okay. All right. All right. And um and basically, so get this. That form was used during the Mandalorian Wars. Wow. And and it was a favorite st combat style for many Sith. So the Sith's main opponents are the Jedi. So it uh -huh. makes perfect sense that if you're fighting a Jedi, that you would use that form. Oh, that is cool. That is really cool because yeah, almost like the sworn enemies of the Mandalorian during those wars. Were the Jedi right. and that's right. borderline. And when sin. you wow. see these forms of combat being used, at least to somewhat, you know, success, um, you know, that's what you're going to be inclined to use when when you inherit the dark saber. Wow, very cool. Dang. Yeah. So so that's that's kind of where he comes from. How, although with form four, there's a lot of like um, force assisted acrobatics and telekinesis. Mm. Uh, which of course he he did not right, display. Yeah. However, he did utilize his jetpack. Yes. So he had like mechanical assisted acrobatics, mm -hmm. which is kind of in line with that form too. 
And also, too, like as Rob pointed out in that episode 44 that we had, but also like the the lore of the Darksaber is that the intensity of the wielder and how they use the Darksaber itself also helps with the not the the power, but I guess like the intensity of the strikes and it, it, it feeds off the wielder's battle intensity and you can see that in this duel you know it's not a very yeah. long duel it takes place what 25 30 seconds it, it, on screen of course it's not very yeah. long but you can see how the intensity levels uh even in the color of the dark saber uh he definitely channels that power and energy into it and the dark saber responds uh, accordingly yeah and a lot of times uh through the animation you can see the thickness of the light at the, you know, surrounding the Darksaber. Um, it gets thicker, you know, faster, and more intense. Um, <laughs> based on based on his level of aggression. You know, when he first ignites it, it, it looks like a regular Darksaber. Um, and then, uh, you know, as he's wielding it, it, it feeds off, I guess, of his emotion and his aggression. And, and it actually gets bigger looking. Right, and more intense, yeah. Which, yeah, <laughs> like uh, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> which again is is a testament to how it responds to the user. Um, it's a very interesting duel because Mandalorians, man, like I get it. Obi Wan's got you know mastery of the Force, and and he's been training with a blade since he was a youngling, and all this. I get it, but. You know, so you're already at a at a disadvantage on paper. Mm. So I get the idea of like using your jetpack and like having your buddies like shoot at him and stuff. You know, it's like at first he was like, "We'll do this one on one because I'm hardcore and a Vizsla. And then he's like, "Knows he's not winning," <laughs> he's and he's like, "Hey guys, <laughs> help me out!" Like, no, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> but apparently, that's how this works. <laughs> and and it's very much like part of the lore of the dark saber, right? Is that the uh, the power of it comes from how uh, intense or how powerful that the wielder is seen within combat? Because we saw that in the Mandalorian, you can't just take the dark saber; you have to earn it. And we saw that in Rebels. So you know when we see this dark saber and it's in Previsla's hands, presumptively that you know he's earned this in combat, probably against another Mandalorian and. Using his combat skills, he's won this dark saber and won the 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 challenge for leadership. And just because, like you said, he's not force sensitive, uh, he does have his hand to hand combat skills and he's got his jetpack skills. But really, against a Jedi, he quickly realizes that that's not really going to cut it. And <laughs> funny enough, like from no pun intended, <laughs> when I was watching this duel, Obi Wan is completely passive. He's really not attacking. He's just letting. Of course he is. He's cool as a cuke. Right, and he's just letting him come at him and parrying and you know um, countering his attacks because likely if he was to raise a finger and use the Force with his lightsaber, it would be done deal and you're dead. Okay, yeah, uh, but, you know, again, that's his preferred form, you know, with Kenobi being a master of Sorosu Form 3, it's a counter to the, you know, fencing style attacks of the earlier Forms 1 and 2, and it focuses on optimizing defense. So when, when you've got an aggressive attacker, 
you know, the best thing to do is use their attacks against them and and simply you know stave off their attacks okay well that's that's brilliant stuff that i didn't really know but the way i look at it without oh. knowing that is that i see this as obi-wan approaching this battle almost out of respect for satine who we first meet in this uh, in this episode and yeah. very flirtatious who saves his skin yes, by the way absolutely and you know this this very episode ignites this uh this romantic arc between obi-wan and satine and i think that there's a layer of uh respect for her within this battle that i felt that like he doesn't want to be too intrusive and sort of laying back and of course his form as you just said fits perfectly into that approach but i also get the feeling that he was like letting pre vizsla attack so that he could just sort of figure him out and like okay what's he gonna do next and then you know once he does figure him out it's you know stalemate and let's get out of here yeah i mean you know he's he's mandler's a tough sort of subject okay it's uh kind of sketchy because you know the history of the jedi and the mandalorians and all and to come back to mandler or or the more antagonistic uh, moon of okay. Mandalore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, because the planet itself has has kind of settled down a bit and and become sort of a pacifistic group under Satine. This moon is like the old school Mandalorians, and so to have a Jedi come in here, you try not to ruffle too many feathers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Absolutely, like, yeah. Listen, we've already been through one war. <laughs> we don't need to be sparking new stuff just because you know we're here to. To feel this thing out. We're not here to spark, you know, Mando War 3 over here. <laughs> so, you know, last thing he wants to do is piss off a bunch of these Death Watch guys. You know, he's going to piss off one because, well, he's not going to lose, <laughs> you know. So he's going to piss off Isla by not losing. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you kill him. All these dudes are going to be coming after you. And yeah, okay. So then what? Then you're gonna kill them too and make it worse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like so you're in bad shape if that happens. So obviously he had to tread lightly with the whole thing, but you know it ended up being kind of a moot point because uh, you know Vizsla's buddies uh, shoot their jetpack rockets <laughs> and um, try to uh, take them out. Yeah, Kenobi and team. Right. You know, so it starts off. Obi Wan's trying to thread this very fine needle right of diplomacy uh right satine and his supposed relationship with her uh-huh. but, but also then this upstart pre oh it's complicated and, it's, <laughs> and uh this upstart pre vizsla and very much like you said it's brilliant point is that they're secluded on their planet the death watch with the main purpose that the mandalorian used to be so like they're surrounded by their own kind so they're very much at home on this turf and mm-hmm. Pre Vizsla literally tosses Obi Wan's saber back to him to start off this duel, and obviously was showing a huge amount of confidence. And he can't be that much of an idiot to understand that this is a Jedi and this is his lightsaber. I'm quite confident in my skills with my dark saber that I'm not handing him my death because you're taking on a pretty big jump here with the Jedi himself and his own lightsaber to take me on with my Darksaber, and I'm going to use my skills against his and expect to win. Yeah, and, you know, let's face it, good against remotes is one thing. Good against the living, that's something else. (laughs) 
So, you know, his this guy's probably trained with the Darksaber to mm-hmm. some degree. Right. But it wasn't against Jedi or prob- or or Sith for that matter. Mm. So who's he been trained against? Mandalorians. Yeah. But they don't they're not like good with right. sabers. They're not the force. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So totally. like so yeah, he's probably beat everybody he dueled with, but they all probably sucked. And he has the dark saber. <laughs> right. So like what do you expect, man? <laughs> so he's probably like he's like that guy that's that's undefeated that just, you know, fights a bunch of people half his size. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's undefeated. Yeah, of course he is. Look who he fights. So, you know, then he gets in the ring with somebody who knows what they're doing. It's like, well, here's your behind, buddy. He's getting handed to you. <laughs> and what's interesting, too, is that Obi-Wan, when he saw the Darksaber being lit, you know, as it comes to life, you see no uh, surprise on his face by seeing this ancient weapon that was in the Jedi Temple and was stolen. Right. Right, and return right, right. to the so, to the Mandalorian. So it's it, that was kind of an interesting start point. I mean, it does belong in a museum, <laughs> but you know. So, but, but here's the thing. Here's the other part. Okay, so you've got this weapon that was forged by the first ever Mandalorian Jedi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, it's in the Jedi Temple archives. Mm-hmm. And Sunny Ribbon Court breaks gone. in. Okay, sorry. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah, as as he often does. Um, no, so then it's missing. You know the Jedi know what happened to it. You know that they're like, yeah, those Mandos came in and stole it. But then again, okay, what are you going to do? Is it worth it to you as a council or as a as an order mm-hmm. to go after them, you know, with, with sabers hot to, to take it back. <laughs> right. And again, spark Mando War right. 3? I don't think so. For one, so it's for like, one blade. Listen, yeah. they, they have this desire for this weapon. Listen, you want the weapon, you're not going to poke anybody's eye out with it, fine. You can have it. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, as long as you don't get in trouble with it, like, we're cool. <laughs> you know? That's, I think, like, that's, they, they knew that they had it. You know, okay. they had to. All right. And All it right. was Tar Vizsla. So when he sees pre Vizsla, you know, his brain made the connection that, you know, bootstrap bills will turn his father, the whole thing. <laughs> and um, so he he knows he's in the line of the Darksaber. All right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to see him whip that thing out and light it up, it's like, yeah, of course. All right. Why? I mean, if any Amando's going to have it, it's going to be him. Makes sense. So as- Oh, and speaking of which. Uh-huh. It was in the Jedi Temple archives. Right. So somebody went in there and stole it. Right. I don't see that as being won in ritualistic combat. Ooh. Yeah. Uh-huh. See that? Uh-huh. So, I mean, who's there to make a legitimate claim if it's been stolen back from the archives? Well, that's a pretty big it's feat, pretty though. pretty sneaky to me. Well, it seems also pretty... Pretty heavy, uh, heavy thing to do is to steal it from you the Jedi temples. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You would think that the one who stole it would have. would lay claim. Yes. Until he got sucker punched by Pre Vizsla <laughs> and then took it. <laughs> so who are you presuming that uh, stole uh, said dark saber? Post Vizsla. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> pre pre Vizsla. No, I, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know, but that that occurred to me when when we were talking about it because it's true, it's very true like, because someone stole, yeah, win it, you stole it, like, right. and granted, like if you steal from the jet. <laughs> Right. Well, no, like if you steal back something that you claim was stolen from you, did you really steal it? I don't know. Mm. You have to ask Han Solo about the Falcon. <laughs> um, but, but you see what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Totally get it. Totally. Yeah. But so yeah. he lays claim to the Darksaber and then he uses it and he tries to beat Obi-Wan Kenobi. Which right. Is a bad mistake. So he lights the Darksaber and he yeah. leaps at Obi-Wan immediately. And like he's he the aggressor in this fight. He's got this burning desire to lay waste to this Jedi. So he leaps. And of course, Obi-Wan defends perfectly and pushes him back. And he moves to strike again. And again, Obi-Wan parries. Again, very defensive. And like you said, using his form to his advantage. And he goes for the legs. Obi-Wan leaps over them. And he parries several of Pre's strikes. And after one overswing, Pre tries to come down on Obi-Wan. Then he catches the blade arm and uh, you know as as he's coming down on him and, and then he attempts a left hook Obi-Wan, yeah that was cool yeah so like this very this very intense first sequence like like i said like you know from my my side i just sort of see obi-wan sort of reading this whole b- battle but like you said his form is about the defensive maneuvers and finally after like five or six offensive strikes that he's parrying he finally uses the force to push pre back and give himself some space to sort of like okay back off here cowboy it's time to uh it's time to let let the big boys play here Mm -hmm. and the big boy plays indeed um (laughs) yeah i mean you know and that's the thing for any chance for pre vizsla to win he's got to come quick he's got to come strong and he's got to come fast yeah and so that's basically his mentality is like look if i don't catch this guy by surprise this thing will work out and um Lo and behold, he didn't catch him by surprise, and uh, it didn't work out. Right. After that force push, he comes yes. back and uses almost the exact same maneuver. And like you said, he doesn't have Jedi training. He doesn't have no. uh, training with opponents who have a superior power to him. He has right. his Mandalorian underlings who are you know, likely, to a certain degree, pulling punches or right. you know, not trying like, to... If you, if you hit this guy for real, like he'll probably kill you. <laughs> So like um <laughs> we got we got to take it easy on old pre over here. <laughs> so pre Vizsla uses the almost exact same maneuver a bit higher of course um coming down with Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan of course recognizes it immediately despite and- not having the high ground. Right. <laughs> That's very true. But in this case he doesn't he doesn't need it. Um no. but um interestingly again Previsla overcompensates, misses him, and is off balance. And within a second, Obi Wan could have ended this fight again, but mm-hmm. he doesn't. You know, he's he's staying back. He's sort of assessing his opponent, but also not trying to instigate, like you said, another war. He's just you know letting uh, Previsla have his fun or whatever dominance he thinks he has um, play itself out. He knocks Pre's arm and then sends the dark saber flying away, yeah. and then. Pre comes back with a punch and then a, a knee to Obi-Wan's chest and then a massive right hook that sends Obi-Wan flying backwards. So this is like his first, you know, sort of real offensive contact hit, but it has yeah. nothing to do with the Darksaber. It's right. really just like a, a fisticuff at this point. And, but, you know, the lightsabers are not even remotely involved at this point. And, this, you know, he's using his brute force and probably his hand-to-hand skill more than anything else. Yeah, and I think 
more than anything, Obi-Wan is trying to keep the peace. And, like, if you fight back with this guy, he's only going to come at you harder. So it's one of those, like, I'm not going to get myself hurt or injured here. So I'm going to protect myself from whatever he's throwing at me. However, you know, I'm going to show him that I'm not here to hurt, maim, or kill him. Mm, okay. Right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. yep. Obi-Wan didn't instigate the attack, you know? That's very true. So, yeah. so yeah. he's, uh, so, you know, his, his best option is to be like, look, I'm not trying to fight you. I mean, I will if I have to, but I'm not trying to. And then... This guy fights, and you know you you stave him off, but it's like, look, see, I'm not trying to fight you. Like, get it through your head. I'm not trying to yeah. fight you. Yeah. And at that point, pre Vizsla, he goes and gets the dark saber. Which, interestingly enough, none of his like three underlings, which are sort of behind him in the battle, help him get the dark saber. He has to go and retrieve it himself. So then they probably would have yelled at him. <laughs> if they were like, here's your dog, he'd be like, stop, let stop. me do it. <laughs> I'm big enough. I'm mad enough to do this. Yeah. Like, Back he off. Would totally, he would totally yell at them and be like, try to decry, you know, foul that they're, you know, trying to help him. Like, he needs help. Right. From right. Them. And seem weak. So that totally yeah. makes sense. So he goes and grabs the Darksaber and then he flies yeah. up with his jetpack. And as he flies up, Obi-Wan meets him and counters, like, with a, with a force leap. And lands two solid punches and then spins him and launches him back to his like his underlings and completely, <laughs> yeah, like a bowling ball yeah and like completely humiliates him and so he gets up sees himself defeated and what does he say warriors finish him right exactly like thanks yeah yeah so Here. and that's what the end of the jerk. duel so but i think that the well, the reason why we chose this to talk about tonight is because it doesn't necessarily mean... I didn't choose it. Oh, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the implications of this duel and how they cast forward into some of the stuff that we are seeing right now and we plan to see in Season 3 of Mandalorian are massive. After, that is true. Yeah. So we're right back after our message from our sponsor. Hello there. I'm Carto Ganroot of Ganroot Family Cantina and Yog Bar. Are you looking for a great dining option for the whole family? Well, at Ganroot Family Cantina and Yog Bar, these are the meals you're looking for. We're conveniently located on the lesser meteor crest of Mimban. But leave your slog boots at home. We're not near the muddy parts. We even have a children's menu that will have your kids saying, Mm-mm, McClunky. Don't take my word for it. Here's what some of our hungry, happy customers have said. Luke S. from the Outer Rim says, The Womp Rat Stew is so good, I thought my aunt made it in the desert. And Anonymous from Corellia says, their bantha bites have so much spice, I almost dumped them at the first sign of an Imperial cruiser. Remember, when you're hungrier than a Zillow beast, Ganroot Family Cantina and Yog Bar has your order. And may the flavor be with you.
All right, and we are back. Thank you to our sponsors. So uh, just before the break, we were uh, basically talking about the end of this, essentially on screen, like a 45-second duel between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Pre Vizsla. While it was short and sweet, it certainly wasn't a Jedi versus Jedi or Sith. Um, It presents a lot more interest and lore to the stuff that we are talking about and seeing right now uh, in, and hope to see very soon, in the current Star Wars canon. And it really presents a cool launching point to what is being considered a almost a pivotal part of what, we, what we've seen in the, in the trailer for uh, The Mandalorian Season 3. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and again, when you've got these factions of Mandalorians that have these deep-rooted traditions and mindsets, um, it's interesting to see, you know, how that manifests, especially with the Darksaber, you know? So you've got these people like the Tar Vizsla, obviously, who mastered the weapon, and Pre Vizsla, and then you, you end up seeing Sabine Wren training with yes, it under right. the tutelage of Jedi. And and then like Mando gets it and he's like, I think I'm supposed to like swing this around and stuff. <laughs> and he does terribly. It's interesting to see that because like everyone else like has someone to teach them to like presumably control their emotions and, and have sort of a uh, eagle eye on, on, on the prize as it were of mm-hmm. like this is how you want to train and and he does not. <laughs> and he's, and he's, he struggles for real with that thing. Yeah. And, you know, we see Moff Gideon at the end of season one of The Mandalorian, you know, as he's crash landing on uh, the planet where the, the, the battle had just taken place. And he uses the Darksaber and cuts through the TIE fighter. And how mind blowing for like Star Wars fans who would understand what that, that saber is. What a very interesting choice to bring into this story. Um, but of course, we got Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau, A, who not only yeah, voiced yeah. Um, Pre Vizsla, but also voiced Paz Vizsla. So All right. uh, there's right. a bit of nepotism going on there. But, but still, the lore of that blade uh, in the hands of Moff Gideon then throws the entire lore of how that Darksaber was meant to pass through authority and how it affects the Mandalorian society and just blows it all out of the water. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's certainly gaps in the, in the Saber's history. Um, you know, there's there's certain runs that you can research of, like, you know, a pass from this one to that one and everything uh-huh. else. But there are, there are gaps in its history um, that I believe they would be wise to fill in uh, to some degree, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be through through a line of dialogue or through a flashback or um, just just a you know a mention of that if it's not shown on screen. But I think you know it'd be interesting to know how Moff Gideon got it. Oh my gosh! But yeah, but clearly he um, he, he doesn't have it very long. You know, because if Sabine had it at the time of Rebels, which is, you know, a couple years before the, the original trilogy, and then you've got like 10 years from then to there, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, he hasn't had it for a long time. Um, you know, he might have had it for 
maybe a year. I don't know. Speculation at this point. Right. But we saw at, in one of the. We should ask John Carlo. Right. Or John or Dave, you know, when they call us back. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, true. So, because we saw in Rebels, Sabine didn't want the the power associated with that Darksaber, right. the House Red. Right. So she gave it to Bulgatan, right? And her. Yeah, but you also priest. have to think that she was like young. You know, yeah, yeah, but so it's uh, I can I could totally see her no, being like this is too yeah, much. I don't want this. To. Yeah, right. And then she hands yeah. it to Bo-Katan, and then again, if if we understand the lore of this of the dark saber, she didn't win a defeat. She won it like she she was handed that that power. So maybe there was a challenge after that. I don't know. We like you said, it would be fantastic to find out how Moff Gideon came about having this dark saber. So we fast forward then to mando season two and near the end well the last episode really and moff gideon is fighting with the mandalorian and uh he's got the beskar uh staff that he's fighting him against and they're going back and forth and of course the only known material impervious to the dark saber is beskar so mando is able to parry some of his attacks and he basically picks it up the dark saber and then he brings moff gideon to the control center bo-katan is there and immediately moff gideon understands the implications of him holding the dark saber and having won that saber in combat yeah because there's no doubt that mando bested gideon right no doubt yeah so gideon's trying to sow the seeds of malcontent Mm -hmm. between uh, Din Djarin and Bo-Katan yeah. by saying, oh, you can't give it to her. She has to win it in combat and you can't like roll over and be like, oh, you win. So, you know, he's definitely trying to have a divide between them. Right. And, you know, it hasn't happened yet where she's gotten it back and I don't know if at that point it will happen. Right. Because the next time we see the Darksaber is in the Book of Boba Fett. And in that sort of two episode arc where Mando um, sort of is on that sort of side mission where we, uh, the, the first episode at least, we see he makes it to the, the Mandalorian covert and we see mm. the armor there and we run into oh boy. Paz Vizla. So mm-hmm. that name comes up again. So we saw him in Mandalorian season one as yeah. one of the um, Mandalorian warriors that came to the rescue of uh, of Mando. Yeah, uh, along he's with our, got the, uh, he's got that that big artillery cannon thing he carries around. Right, exactly, and cool you know, dude. our good buddy Dominic Pace and uh, Gecko, uh, who was making that's that, true. So the same at that same scene. So he's here with the armorer, and they go through a duel. And I thought this wasn't a dark saver episode. I know, but it's 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 so important. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's not. <laughs> it's a duel episode, but oh, you know, okay. First half was about case. the duel. <laughs> so and it's funny how you see then that now bringing it back to the duel. Where okay, here the, we are. Yeah, so because the <laughs> the armor compels uh, Dinjarin to sort of battle. Paz Vizla, and he understands the importance of this Darksaber, and Din Djarin is, like, struggling to use the Darksaber. With each strike, he gets heavier yeah. and heavier and heavier. He has no understanding of how this works. So his duel with Paz Vizla is going terribly wrong, and Paz tries to take 
uh, advantage of that lack of knowledge. Yeah, and he's not a Vizsla. So, like, I get the sense that this clan has passed down knowledge of this uh, through the generations. Just, um, you know, in the hopes that once they retrieve this weapon, then the rightful owner will will be able to wield it uh, victoriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Because yep. it seems like that kind of clan. Um, so... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if Paz did know his way around that thing, but you know, we don't get to find that out because he doesn't get it. <laughs> um, you know, when the battle between Obi Wan and Pre Vizsla is finished, I I mean, I guess you could say it's a draw, even though Obi Wan bested him right. in combat. Uh-huh. Um, he ended up, you know retreating uh, from the rockets which i mean you know kenobi series obi-wan could like held that rocket in the air spun it around and threw it back at him but whatever either way so he's he's not victorious and you know despite winning he's not victorious and he doesn't retrieve the dark saber mm-hmm. you know as right. one would traditionally in a duel with the dark saber correct you know correct. And does he even realize that Im- that uh, that implication of having defeated Previsla in a duel? He, it, for the most part, Obi Wan couldn't care less what's going on. He's just trying to navigate a uh, political situation that right. has extremely, you know, huge implications for personal reasons, but also, um, you know, galaxy wide implications of a quote unquote neutral um, planet with its warring moon and trying mm-hmm. not to sway them e- to either side of the CIS or the uh, Republic at this point. And f- you know, again, like we said, you know, trying to thread that fine line between the two of them, um, maybe not knowing how the culture has, has assimilated the Darksaber. You know, maybe he doesn't know that since it's been stolen, the Darksaber is now almost like a uh, matriarchal, patriarchal symbol of power that if you win this weapon in combat, now this makes you the power of the militaristic side of Mandalore and how important that is for that culture. Yeah, because if you think about it, it may have been, say, okay, say you look at it like a monarchy, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, whoever wears the crown, so the crown's like the dark saber, right? Right. So if you've got it and then you die, it goes on to your kids and then they die, it goes on to their kids. Uh-huh. But if your whole family is killed... Then who lays claim? Right. We got a little Game of Thrones action now <laughs> because then it's like, well, who's going to claim eligibility and, and legitimate claim to this thing? And um, so that's, you know, it could come into play with, well, there's only one way to solve this. You got to fight for it. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that could come into play there just kind of organically without some sort of official decree of like, you must beat the. The wielder to to win it, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And short of that, Mandalore as a, an entire culture, as we saw a little bit in the Clone Wars, they suffered that night of a thousand tears. They were absolutely decimated by the Empire, and mm-hmm. their entire culture was just wiped away. And as as a bunch of jerks, right? And yep. <laughs> as indicated, well, at, well, flashback at least in season two that we saw, 
the only way to atone for a Mandalorian, uh, and in this case, Din Djarin, who's taken off his uh, helmet, according to the Creed, is to go back to Mandalore and uh, visit that lake. I can't think of the name of the lake, but um, sort of, you know, you know almost um, cleansing himself of his sin. And then yeah. he becomes part of the Mandalorian. A baptism, as yeah, it were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Become part of that creed again. And as we saw in the season three trailer, which I watched once and I wrote it down. I'm not sure if you've seen it or not because you don't typically watch those, neither do I. But I saw it once. Yeah. And Bo-Katan Kreese says at one point in the uh, trailer, your cult fractured our people. Where were you then? <laughs> and <laughs> she's speaking to uh, Mando, or, uh, Din Djarin. And that's because, as we understand at that point, he still wields the dark saber. That is massively important for where this culture, uh, going all the way back to Tarvizla, the entire clan that traditionally has owned the dark saber. Where does that put them in history, and where does that put Dinjarin? Yeah, right, 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 right. And you know, and with him having possession of the dark saber. Was that due to the the claim? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because yeah. like, oh well, he claims it, but then it's like at the same time, it's like when Maul took over, and all of Mandalore was like, ah, he's oh, not Mandalorian. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, he's sitting on the throne, but he's not one of us, you know. So, so you've got that whole sort of, well, that's the rules, but uh-huh. you know, this guy doesn't, you know, fit with our ideals, and uh, it's kind of, you know, maybe we're willing to abandon this principle of ours for a moment uh, because this don't look good for us. <laughs> so um, the same could be assumed if, you know, Din Djarin walks in and he's like, hey, I'm the boss now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. Because they he got be the like, I don't know. Yeah. You're one of those weird, like, freaks from uh, from the uh, Death Watch, you know? Yeah. You got that creed going about you and you got the yeah. dark saber. So who else do we follow except you? Right. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about them all. It's true. Like, you know, like the, the not how transient that the Mandalorian militaristic side is, but they certainly do follow a strong leader. And yes. that strong leader typically wields the Darksaber. And for Obi-Wan to I guess in the in the greater sense of the galaxy and especially his mission and down to his personal relationship with uh Satine, his relinquishing of even raising an offensive finger against Pre Vizsla to yeah. take back that Darksaber, mm-hmm. that had huge, huge implications through the entire history of the Skywalker saga. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So, yeah. So, it's like, well, you're in a tough spot because, you know, as a peacekeeper, how do you try to convince somebody that's so hell-bent on such a military answer uh, and, and like, solution to not fight. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. And that's the entire culture of this, this entire group of people on this moon of Concordia. That's all they do. They are the, the fighters. They are the military side of Mandalore that are currently uh, excommunicated and being uh, minimized uh, through the pacifist leader of the teen. And of course, they're going to be like almost overreacting to anything 
anything of an affront from anybody threatening their authority to be able to do that. And to even consider surrendering the dark saber would be completely foreign to them. And for Obi-Wan to take it would have been almost like an act of war. And then how do you deal with that? Right. Right. (sighs) Then uh, the negotiations are certainly short. (laughs) (laughs) And ongoing uh, into uh, Mando season three. (laughs) Yes. So it's, mm. it's funny, you know, as we sort of circle around and, and, you know, come to the end of this conversation about this yeah. entire duel, the transient nature of who wields the Darksaber doesn't necessarily come down to who rightfully has taken <laughs> uh-huh. the hold of that hilt. It's the opportunity of who's taken that hilt. And that's why I guess some of that lore and some of that intrigue has, you know, translated through... Now, what are we talking about? Um, almost three decades of, of the story itself. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Whew. So, for a short duel, it's a long conversation. <laughs> it is. It was 45 seconds of screen time. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. and that's what's the interesting part of it. It's like there's so much more behind it. It's a short, simple duel, but it has massive implications for the entire uh, Skywalker saga. Oh, yeah. Wow. And and beyond because yeah. now again like you like you had gone off on a tangent into Mandalorian <laughs> which is like okay well I guess you know again there's that too you know. Well Luke was in there so it's still a Skywalker saga. Yeah. <laughs> that was convincing. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah so it's a um an interesting point yep. to be made. With uh, with where it came from and where it's going. Yeah, totally. Oh. All right. All right. Well, I guess um, that's it for that duel. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> for our Darksaber episode, our Mandalorian <laughs> episodes, everything that we talked about, uh, we're at uh, conversations.com. We're on facebook.com slash conversations. Twitter at Suations. We have the Instas uh, conversations over there to uh, find out more about Rob and Jedi Temple Archives. Um, <laughs> you can go to link.tree slash conversations or the bio.link slash red five network and find him in all sorts of stuff over there. And um, yeah, we've got t shirts. We d- Sorry. Shh. Shh. We've got t shirts. We've got t shirts. <laughs> Unzazzle. Unzazzle. And I'm so, uh, in the process of adding uh, Steamboat Wookiee. Sorry, Steamboat Wookiee. Um, right, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's a river river ship <laughs> Bigfoot. <laughs> or as oh, I called boy. it, Steamed Wook. <laughs> steamed Wook. I like that. Oh, that sounds delicious. Exactly. Oh, you want Steamed Wook? It's exactly. It's a nation dish. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, before we get in more trouble... This has been Conversations. He's been Pat and I've been Charles. No? Okay. <laughs> Got that one wrong? All right. Well, carry on. May the force be with you. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. 
So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>